Welcome, everyone. I am Bob Wurzelbacher, the director of the Respect Life Office for the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, and this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro-Life. Each month, we'll discuss a different topic in the Respect Life arena. We'll hear a personal story from someone deeply affected by that issue. And finally, we'll share ways that you can get involved. This month, we're talking about finding life through loss. And this week, we'll be talking about receiving a personal terminal diagnosis. As always, we have a special guest. Will you please introduce yourself? Hi, I am Monsignor Paul Cutter, the retired pastor of Holy Spirit Catholic Church on the East side of Indianapolis. Just call me Father Paul. Great. Thanks, Father Paul. Um, You know, I didn't warn you on this one in advance, but for people watching or people listening, they might already think, okay, what's, what's going on? It sounds like a machine is speaking, right? You want to tell us what that's about? Because my speech has been lost, I use a typing device that allows me to type and the device speaks for me. Okay, so Father Paul, let's just let you share your story with us. This day I will be ordained priest for 44 years, all within the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. I grew up in southern Indiana, across the Ohio River from Louisville, Kentucky. My great-grandfather came from Germany in 1846 and settled in Cincinnati for six years before moving to southern Indiana. My priestly journey has put me at numerous parishes and serving at the Archdiocesan level also. I came to Holy Spirit Parish in 2009 where we developed a twinning relationship with a parish in Texaquan. Honduras. Two years ago in January of 2019, I was visiting our friends in Honduras when I noticed that my tongue seemed to be moving slowly, affecting my speech. No one noticed the speech being different until the graduation mass for our eighth graders in May. Several mothers approached me afterwards and asked if I was okay. Although I had seen my primary care doctor, this led to me having a brain MRI which the results showed nothing inappropriate. In July I was sent to Indiana University Health Center where they have a clinic for patients with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. There is no test that clearly diagnoses ALS. So it is the process of eliminating other possible causes of the symptoms. All my tests were negative, and in the fall of 2019, I was diagnosed as having ALS. A few months later, it was confirmed by a second opinion from Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. ALS is a disease that interferes with messages being sent to the muscles through the nerve system. The disease is progressive and will eventually lead to death. The speed of progression varies a lot and cannot be predicted. My progression has been fairly slow with most symptoms relating to my mouth. I can no longer speak and swallowing is getting much more difficult. I had a feeding tube inserted in June of 2020 and most of my calorie intake now comes through the tube. 
in recent months I have noticed some weakness developing in my legs but I am still walking fine and have remained as active as possible. The diagnosis was very difficult to accept. Although my diagnosis came four months after the initial testing, I was pretty sure that I had ALS. Over the years of my priesthood, I have ministered to people with the disease, and I knew how it can take away all aspects of activity and leads to death. I never thought I might contract this disease. During the early months, my prayer was very direct, asking God for healing and seeking his strength to carry the illness. I experienced some close moments with the Lord that helped me live each day. I have not been angry with the Lord, primarily because I have seen so many good people carry a terminal illness and I did not feel like God was punishing me. The diagnosis was my cross. I was asked to carry the burden as a believer and as a servant of the Lord. Okay, so how hard was it then when you shared this with your family, your friends, your parishioners, and what was their response to learning that you had this disease? The initial response of my friends, family, and parishioners was filled with shock. ALS is very rare, and yet I had this disease. I struggled with the diagnosis, but they have proven to be very supportive and caring partly because of the COVID virus and partly because of my illness, my family started to do Zoom meeting twice a month. We are nine siblings in six states, so seeing each other in person was not possible. These Zoom meetings have kept us in touch so that we can see each other and I can update them on my conditions. We really appreciate those meetings. Another key response has been the prayers of so many people. I know that I am being prayed for daily by hundreds. These prayers lift me up and I believe that have helped to sustain my slow progression. It has helped to unite us also. So you learned of this diagnosis, I believe, in 2019, shortly before the pandemic started. Right. You talked you just because you just talked about seeing your family, uh, you know, by Zoom mostly. Were you able to in person visit most of your family after this diagnosis before the pandemic hit or they haven't even seen you since learning of this in person? I was able to visit most of them. Last February, I did a trip that included three of them. That's great, man. Nine siblings. I only have two. My sister has nine children. Beautiful, beautiful, large family. Okay, so how has your ministry changed now, and how do you see it continuing to change? How has my ministry changed? The inability to speak has affected many areas of my ministry. Casual conversations after Mass are not possible. My communicating is only possible through my typing into my iPad, and while this is very helpful, it has its limits. One of the biggest changes has been my inability to lead worship, whether it is saying Mass, doing funerals, weddings, or baptisms. This is a drastic change in ministry, and it has been hard to let go of it. 
I still will can celebrate the Mass and will occasionally hear a confession, but most sacraments I am no longer able to do. The sacraments are at the heart of priestly ministry and I am now very limited. I am still adjusting. I will still meet with people individually, doing some spiritual direction and counseling. Doing these meetings is still important to me. I am also still connected to a few ministries here at Holy Spirit, which has been very good. I am still preaching at Mass also. This is possible through a voice system that used my old tape homilies and from these were about to develop my voice electronically. So now for Mass, I type my homily, put it through the voice system and play it through the sound system in church. I will stand at the ambo and follow the homily with gestures. The system works well. Preaching has always been very important to me. It was the primary way that I sought to help people in their relationship with God. Being able to still preach, while different, is a huge gift. So you told me you aren't able to do many of these sacraments. I guess that surprises me a little bit. Like, for example, I would you do con celebrate, but you're not able to lead Mass. While I could pre-type certain prayers, there is a need to be able to communicate directly at Mass. I cannot do that. Right. I guess I was just kind of imagining inaccurately, right, that you could just type all those prayers and stand there and hit play and that that would be able to work. But I guess it doesn't work like that. I think the church would require direct speaking in some cases. Right. Okay, so then I, now I know, I, I mean, I've already I've read about ALS, so ALS can, can, hits people and no one has any idea, right, that it has come. So this was not in your family or anything that, that had you wonder if it was coming? No expectation of this. Right. At this point already in your diagnosis, right? Now, first, let's talk about the speech. So one of the first things you lost, I guess, was the ability to speak. And it sounds like you you saw this coming so that you could prepare to have your voice recorded for this device. Maybe a little bit about that process. Like, what am I going to do? I'm losing my ability to speak. And then someone came to you and said, hey, we can do this. How hard was that to do? And how quickly did you need to do that? So the homilies that were taped go back 10 years. So when the speech started to get worse, some people explore some options for me. They found a company in France that could recreate my voice from this old homilies. We had to send them four homilies with an exact script. And from that, they developed my voice tone. So what you are hearing is my voice tone. It is still rather mechanical, but it works. Right. That sounds incredible, though, that technology. It, it sounds a little mechanical, yes. But having said that, does it really, do you feel like it does sound a lot like your voice? I think it does. Another will tell me that. Okay. So that was one of the first things. Is there now ALS? You probably just have no idea sometimes, right? It can be fairly quickly onsetting it can take longer to onset of course but and you haven't had it all that all that long i suppose yet either is it just taking it day by day or do you have a sense of okay i might not be able to 
you know, walk within this certain period of time or these, these sorts of questions, you know, in your head? Most people live between two and five years. I am two years into my progression. So the speed is very hard to predict. Right. I try not to project myself out too far. I stay very focused upon what I can do right now. I have set plans for what I will do when I reach a certain stage. But for you, I want to stay active as possible. Can I ask you this? Do you have any like advice, right, for someone else who learns of a, whether it's ALS or another debilitating or a terminal illness, how do we open ourselves up, right, to what God is doing in us and not focus on or give in, right, to despair and focus on the, the negative aspects of this? When I stand in church, I see many people who are over 80. They, too, will face death in the not-too-distant future. I realize that my is coming much earlier and that is hard to accept. But I also know that this experience is faced by all people. So I try to see God still working in my life and still calling me. The blessings have been profound in this experience. So many people have shared with me how my ministry has affected them. I just opened a card from someone who I knew 20 years ago, and she shared on how my homilies helped her. All my 21 nieces and nephews put together a book in which they shared on their memories of me and how I impacted their lives. That book was so beautiful. I see people all day who will tell me that they are praying for daily, and that is a big help. Early in my experience, I begin to think about the virtues of faith, hope, and love. They have taken on new meaning for me. Faith is believing in the promises of Jesus Christ and salvation, and trusting in his presence. When one faces a terminal illness, those words become very important. Hope is how I choose to look at tomorrow. Hope includes asking for a slow progression and the many who are praying for healing. Hope includes the blessings of each day and that I will be able to see them. And love is the call I have each day on how to live. So each day I need to ask myself, how do I choose to love today? So those virtues are very important. So Father Paul, those are... Great words. I love that. How do I choose to love today? Now, I'm sure, though, some days are going to be harder. Some days you probably get up. Okay, how can I choose to love today? And other days you're going to get up and you find great difficulty, perhaps, asking yourself that question or having that question motivate you, right? So how do you get through those harder days and keep on with your faith in God when those days get hard? The illness can control all my thoughts at times. When I have a progression in some area of my body, the fear can jump up. And I guess I don't have a clear answer on how I deal with those moments, except I try not to focus upon them. You know, one thing that has become very important is the fact that I am still me. I am still the person who I have always been, and the illness does not change that. And so when people see me as I truly am, it helps me cope with each day. The ALS illness is a big factor in my life, 
but it does not control who I am. Right. It reminds me, I just spoke with someone, a mother who had lost a young daughter, 14, 15 years old, to a stroke. And it was a stroke that then led to discovering brain cancer. And she died over the course of like a year and a half or something in that time period as a young woman. And she was young. She was smart. She was a great volleyball player. All these things that you can easily see, right, that might define her in a lot of people's eyes. And then, of course, this illness took all of those things away. But then you could see, the mother was telling me, then you... It was more clear to everyone else the real beauty that was still always there on how generous she was, how loving she was, right? How grateful she was for every day. All those things that were always there were much more easily seen when you weren't seeing the volleyball player, right? And the and the great student and, and everything else that people saw was her. So I imagine it's something similar here. People can still see who you are and having AOS doesn't change that. One of my nephews said that in the book that my nephews and nieces gave me. Right, exactly. You told me about that earlier. My one nephew said that as they all deal with my illness, he said that I am still Uncle Paul with the same sense of life and humor. That meant a lot to me. Right. So, Father Paul, when a good friend or a, or a loved one or a family member right, is diagnosed with a terminal illness, often they have no idea what to say or what they want to help, but they don't know how. They might say something like, you know, call me if you need me, you know, but that's not usually very helpful because it's much too generic, right? So do you have any advice on if, if you know someone has a terminal diagnosis or a serious, you know, illness how do you reach out? What do you say? What should you not say? Things like that. I would say, try not to make sense out of it. All right, don't try to be God. <laughs> Acknowledge the illness and the struggle, but don't to answer your own questions with TGHE person. It helps if someone shares with me their prayers and support and maybe ask how I am doing but the conversation doesn't stay on that topic. Right. Just the past weekend, a couple from my first parish 40 years ago came to visit. We talked some about the illness, but we spent most of the time recalling memories. Right. So it sounds like I'm hearing, you know, acknowledge it, but then move on with, <laughs> with the relationship, move on with the ministry you're doing, move on with, you know, normal life as well as you can live it at that moment. Yeah. So did you want to mention any charities, organizations, uh, anything like that, that you want people to be aware of, either they would volunteer with or donate to, or I don't know, anything like that? The ALS Association is significant. They can offer a lot of support, both emotionally and physically. I have not had to lean there much yet because I am still physically active, but they are there to help. My parish has been very important also. When I retired in July, I asked the bishop if I could stay here and he said yes. So these are the people who have been walking with me for the last 12 years. When I see them, it helps feel loved and supported. And it is a place I can still serve. So I think one's parish can be very important. Is there anything else you feel like I should have asked you that we should go that you wanted? I know that's all that was prepared. 
One thing I would say is that when one faces this kind of illness, in some ways life becomes simpler. My relationship with the Lord becomes even more central. Relationships and family and friends become even more important. And some of my old worries fall by the wayside. Well, thank you for talking with us today about your journey with a terminal illness, how to find God in the day-to-day. And I love that message you said about how we still retain who we are, right, through it all, no matter what the loss might be of some abilities. So thanks for spending time with us today, Father Paul. Thank you for having me and giving me the chance to share my story. And I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for tuning in on this episode of our Being Pro-Life series. Head to the website to view more resources talked about in this episode at www.catholicaoc.org slash being-pro-life. Thank you again for joining us today. I look forward to being with you next time.